Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 34 of Points of Penalties. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh. With me are my co-hosts, Jesse and Kevin. Peter's away today, but we'll do without him. Kevin, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I kind of mix it up here, guys, with in regards to your strong beer-esque like beers. I went myself with a Duval. It is a Belgian strong blonde, and it's in uh, 8.5%. It's honestly, honestly, it's uh, I like it. I mean, it's I was a cool I was, bottle. It is a very cool bottle. I was scared when I first saw the percentage, thinking, oh no, here we go. But I like it. Jesse, what are you drinking? Well, I'm taking it easy because I was partying with you guys all day yesterday. Well, not all day, but I was partying all day. So I decided to take it easy. I got Lancaster Bomber, and it's a it's a cool four point four percent. Yeah. So this is from the UK. Uh, I didn't pick it, but it actually is an amber ale, and it's it, the first couple of sips are pretty good, and it has actually a lot of flavor for being as small as alcohol that it has into it. But like, I mean, a weak ass beer, Jesse, is what you're saying. I mean, it's it's weak in percentage, but it's got a lot of flavor. I mean, in my beers, it's about close to double yours. I, yeah, yeah, it's impressive. It's yeah. Way to show up once in a while. All right, carry on, bud. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> so yeah, it's from across the pond, uh, in Wolverhampton, in the UK. I'm not sure where that is, but it, they can make this beer's pretty good. Yosh, what are you having tonight? Well, like you mentioned, Jess, uh, we were partying last night, so I'm having some leftover beers. Uh, actually, Peter's brother uh, had some Bose Love Tread, so that's what I'm drinking today. That's it's, a good uh, one. Yeah, it's very good. It's 5.2%, and uh, it's a lagered ale. It's quite nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's I think I've had it on the show before, too. Yeah, I think so, it. too, but, you know, it was good, and I got a couple of them here from, uh, from Ross, so thanks, Ross. Shout out. Rather <laughs> tasty. So I just like to mention as well, guys. I was also there part of this partaying, and I'm still indulging in a 8.5% beer. <laughs> hey, I wasn't taking it easy today. I just was going with what I had in the fridge. <laughs> well, that is also what I'm going with as well. That it was in your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The NFL is awesome. Did you guys know that? It is. Yeah, it is. It's so much fun to watch. You know what's even more fun to watch? What's that? I'm stomping the Bears. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So last podcast, uh, Sunday, we missed, or we missed the Sunday nighter. It was going on while we were podcasting. And the Rams dominated the Bears. Stafford's second pass as a Los Angeles Rams traveled 53 yards through the air and dropped in the hands of Van Jefferson, who fell down untouched and stood up and scored for a 67-yard touchdown. I was pretty happy when that happened. My arms arms went up, but I believe someone was talking. Clearly, this was more important than whatever they were saying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then later on, 
Stafford also hit uh, Cooper Cup for a 56-yard TD in the third quarter. And he was wide open. Like, there wasn't anyone around him for, like, 15 yards. Just flew past the great Bears defense, but they were pretty bad in this game. Cooper Cup was pretty good today, too. Oh, man, did he dominate today, too. There's, I, I read a stat earlier today, but maybe I, I don't really quite remember, but I'll see if I can find it before the show's end. Uh, but, yeah, so this is Stafford's – Stafford passed for 321 yards and three TDs. The other TD went to Robert Woods, which was a fantastic catch by him. I don't know if you guys saw that. He threw a fastball and jumped up and tiptoed right along the outside, uh, the out-of-bounds. And then, yeah, so with this prolific – debut he has the best passer rating at 56 point 156.1 ever for a quarterback debuting with a new team in nfl history that's not too shabby that is awesome and that's exactly what i wanted to see and that's why i said he was going to be my mvp he wasn't as good today but it's fine he's allowed to have one of those roadblocks josh's boy uh david montgomery did pretty good. Yeah. He he looks really good because he, he was running through a lot of contact. I saw the, mm-hmm. the Rams had him and he, the, he had a lot of yards after contact. I think uh, maybe it was a sec, his first or second run. He had like 41 yards on the Rams. So that was pretty good for him. And he ended up getting 108 yards and a touchdown, one reception for 10 yards. He's not really the receiving type this year for some reason. Uh, I think he's a great receiving running back, so it's weird that they're not using him more as that. And Yoshi's boy, Justin Fields, got a TD against the Bears. It was pretty good. Just ran around our defenders. But, yeah, that game was awesome. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, it was all right. It was nice to see. It was, you know, fun to to play against your team, but it wasn't the greatest game. (laughs) Last year we got you guys, too, and – it seems like they put the Bears and the Rams on the uh, the primetime prime a lot. Primetime, yeah. yeah. FYI, we smoked you then, too, last yeah, year. That's surprising, man. <laughs> surprising. <laughs> Can't get under your We're not going to get a fucking – we're not going to get a good matchup on fucking primetime, you know, like against the Jets or something that we could actually win. Uh, that would be a – Maybe that'd be a Thursday nighter or something like that. Yeah. So the Monday nighter was the Ravens and Raiders, which was tight. That was in Las Vegas there. First time with fans. Oh, and that was another reason why they were prime time was because the fans were first time in SoFi against the Bears versus the Rams. But this one was also the first time fans were in Las Vegas. And the new, they call it the Death Star, I think. It's been coined. Uh, so the Raiders ended up winning this game. It was crazy. I The fourth quarter and the overtime was just wild. I couldn't stay up for it. But a stellar play by Carl Nasman, who was the first active open gay player in the NFL. And then a, a perfect play call and a 31 TD pass from Derek Carr to Zane Jones to win it in overtime. So right before this, in overtime, they on the first possession for the Raiders, they actually thought they had the win. Like they were starting to storm the field and everything like that because they had Carr threw 
a 33-yard touchdown pass to Brian Edwards on the first possession. And then video replayed that he was out of the one. So after that, an an unsuccessful uh, QB sneak and a false start by the rookie uh, Alex Leatherwood, the first rounder, (laughs) an interception that was deflected by Willie Sneed's hands. Now, this article said it was off his hands, but it did, like Kevin was saying before the show, it might have been off his helmet because it went sky high. (laughs) It almost cost them the game. Now, I, I, even before the touchdown pass, the 31-yard touchdown pass to Zane Jones, where it was an all-out blitz against the Ravens, I believe Gruden ran out his kicking team to kick the field goal because he was too worried because they only needed a field goal. Well, he needed – or no, you know what? It was uh, the 33-yard touch, uh, touchdown to – or the three, 33-yard pass. He ran onto the field with his kicking team and then ran off the field again and got Carr back on there. I don't know what Gruden was thinking or what he was trying to do, maybe get an offside or something like that. It was strange. Too many men or something like that. I don't know. It was it was a weird, a weird thing that happened. So with the Raiders that trailed 14-0 early, ending a 98-game regular season win streak for the Ravens, when leading by at least 14 points dating back to 2004. Holy. Yeah. Wow. Now the Raiders won again today against Pittsburgh. So my question to you guys is Pittsburgh or is the Raiders real? Is this real or is this just an early showing? I mean, those are two good defenses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's week two. Um, I'm going to say that they are going to be competitive all the, all the way through and they're going to lose a lot of close games either, either, you know, I mean, that's usually their MO, but they've, they're winning the close games right now. Right. And maybe that's going to be the, uh, you know, the turning of the tide instead of losing eight games that are within a score, they win eight games that are within a score, which pushes them up to maybe, you know, 12 wins. Maybe. I don't know if they'll be that good, but that seems like a lot. I, I, especially with the KC, and Denver and yeah. the LA Chargers in that division. There's a lot of good defenses there. What I've been liking about it is that uh, the colors, you know, they're, they're, they're colors that suits for me because uh, you guys have always been talking about changing my team. No, you uh, have talked about changing your team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you know, I've been talking about it. And as I mentioned, the Saints, everyone goes cringe on me. And that, uh, well, that's just unheard I've, of to go to a division rival. Yeah, right. man. That's like me going to be a fucking Packers fan. Come on. <laughs> Are you but picking I, I, the Packers for your lock? Or <laughs> 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 the I Yankees mean, to win the Super hey, the World Series? <laughs> a pick is one thing. Switching to a division rival as your favorite team is another. Another. But as you've all mentioned too, though, that the the Raiders are probably the best suited team for me just because of uh, the way that people wear their get-ups as they get into these games. Yeah, you're a Raider fan, man, for sure. Yeah, so looking into this, I just might watch or focus uh, a little bit more on the, the Raiders, and uh, I'll make my decision by the end of this uh, this season if I'm going to stay with my my shitty Falcons. Or, I mean, it sounds or, like you're jumping on a bandwagon right now is what I'm A hearing. little bit. A little <laughs> bit. I, I, I will honestly state, man, I have one foot on Atlanta, and I have one foot hanging on there to the old um, – sorry, L.A. or Vegas. Vegas, there you go. <laughs> Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. 
they all played there, so <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. I'll I'll watch them. I'll keep a good eye on them this year, and like I said, I'll make my decision if I'm going to stay with Atlanta or carry on with the Raiders. I mean, I'm going to watch them too because they are interesting as ever. Because there was a couple back and forth fourth quarter changes and ties, and then Carr drove down the field for a 55 yard field goal with 37 seconds left to send it into overtime in that game. I'm going to watch them because I love fucking John Gruden and he is funny as fuck when you watch him on the sideline and he gets mad. His fucking face goes so red. <laughs> it's like a fucking apple but a tomato. He's not as bad as Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians face goes like yeah. really red, but he, he does get go really red. It's when funny, he gets man. upset. It is funny. Uh, Gruden will always be known as Chucky. That's one thing I always liked too. Tell us why, Kev. Because Chucky's one evilish friggin' doll, man. <laughs> this thing's just nasty. It's awesome. So you're saying that Grin's nasty? Yeah, man. <laughs> evil. If he if he gets pissed off enough, as you said, his face goes all red, like man. So sure. So just another couple quick stats here. Like Darren Wallard had 19 targets in this game. That's crazy. Which, that's which is a lot. And I was watching him, and I betted on him going over his uh, uh, his receiving yards and receptions. So I was pretty happy with those targets. I, I won some money there. It was just a it was a just a small prop bet on one guy. So I actually it wasn't a lot of money, but I knew that was going to happen. Money's money, exactly. And then Jackson. Now I've been a big advocate of him. Like he had some pretty good plays. But I also saw some pretty bad ones, too. And after they lost this game, they're playing KC tonight. And he could be down 0-2, which would be – is not what I thought would happen. But he had three fumbles in this game and lost two of them. And uh, the one – the last one was the one that uh, was in the overtime. So right in their zone and then Carr through that touchdown to Zane Jones. So he's in trouble for me because I I thought he was going to be pretty good. I know, Yosh, you're not a huge fan of him. So you're – I guess you can smile about that. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think he's as good as people think he is. That's all. Fair enough. You might be right. Yeah. So far, but it's only been one game. For sure. All righty. So the Thursday nighter was a bit of a blunder bowl. But it was entertaining. So Hopkins made a 53-yard field goal on an untimed down. How did he get here? This was for the winning field goal. Was because Dexter Lawrence was flagged offside after Hopkins had missed the previous field goal. Now, I was thinking of... I was thinking of putting this guy in my penalty box because this this is this is like the worst thing you can do. Now he's a fairly young player still, but he can't be doing that. They coach that all the time. Like if you want to block it, fair enough, but you can't be going offside at the end of the game of last minute or last second field goal. So as I said, he got to retry the untimed down and he got it. And they ended up winning 30 to 29 against the Giants. And it snaps a five-game win streak for the Giants in this series between the two of them. 
Now, Heineke was starting over Ryan Fitzpatrick, who hurt himself last week. Uh, played pretty well. Threw for 336 yards and two TDs. And then his interception was right before the two-minute warning. And I that's when I just turned the game off. I'm like, okay, this is over. The Giants got this. Because I knew uh, – I thought they were going to waste a little bit more time, but clearly the Giants did not do that, and Washington's defense finally showed up because they have not been playing good the last couple weeks. So, yeah, uh, it ended up being that Jones actually had a pretty good game, which is new. He had no turnovers which is pretty rare for him. He's quite the turnover machine, either in fumbling or throwing interceptions. But he was like the only one on this team that was trying to win this game. So, so he threw for two, almost 250 yards, a touchdown, and he almost had a second one, but it was dropped by Darius Slay. So he, it looked like it could have been a better pass, but he was wide open in the end zone. It was. It went right off like his hands, but it would. It, it could have definitely been a better pass, but he should have caught that, and that would help them out a bunch. There was also a huge run that he made. I couldn't remember how long it was, but it was called back on a holding call by a wide receiver. He scrambled around and ran a bunch of yards. He still ended up running for ninety-five yards and a TD in this game. This guy is super athletic, and you, you just don't. I never thought he was this athletic before. The young kid, man, they can do lots of crazy things. Right. Yeah, I, I get that. But at the same time, I, I get, maybe because he's white, I just think he just can't, <laughs> he, he just can't run very well. <laughs> no. So for the most of the night, it was Washington's very touted defense that was, wasn't pulling the weight. And New York scored for – its first four possessions of the second half. And Heineke needed just 17 seconds to put the Washington football team ahead with a great pass from to Ricky Seals Jones in the corner of the end zone with a Dory Jackson hanging off of him. Now, I don't know if you guys seen this pass, but he got his two feet in bounds and it was a quite, quite a tough catch to make and a great throw by Heineke, but it was, it was impressive. And I, I, I think this guy might actually have a chance here, even when Fitzpatrick comes back, because he played tough against Tom Brady in the playoff game. Yeah, I was gonna say didn't he? He did. He did well when he was out there first with playing against the the goat. I mean, he I did mean, really well. I mean, like that was the toughest competition for the Buccaneers in the playoffs last year. It seemed. Yeah, like. for sure. Yeah, you're not wrong there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he and he played well then, and and that was a good Tampa Bay defense and. Giants defense is like I would say like, like it's it's all right. It's not like it's horrible, but it's all right. It's the Giants. Yeah, they had a pretty good defense last year. So the last thing I want to say is uh, Graham Gano has made thirty-five consecutive kicks, field goals, for the longest streak in the NFL. His five field goals Thursday include kicks from forty-seven, fifty-two, and fifty-five yards. Those are uh, those are not short fucking kicks, man. No, it was good. It was. Uh, it's just impressive that he's been able to keep up these consecutive kicks this way. Yeah, man, for sure. 
So we'll move on to this week now. Well, I, I guess this was Thursday and it was week two, but we'll move on to more Bears talk. Justin Fields helped get the win over the Cincinnati Bengals today. Yeah. And he played meh. <laughs> From a yeah to a meh. I'll yeah, take he, a fucking meh by Justin Fields over anything but fucking Danny Dalton. So Yeah, he, he played like a rookie, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, he had a fumble, which he recovered. I don't know if you saw that, Yosh. No, I didn't. It looked like it was going to be a scoop and score. I don't know how he got his hand in there, but he pretty much like took it away from the defender and then uh, rolled up and got it. Like it was, he got knocked out of his hands and he was behind the guy in front of him. But it was, uh, it looked like he just like pretty made, pretty much like whacked his hand and then jumped on top of it. At least you have a QB that's going to go after a ball than just sit there and stand there and watch everyone else wrestle for it. Are you I talking mean, about Cam Newton? <laughs> whatever. Matt, no, I'm just he's saying. Old as fuck, man. He's not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Fields is still learning. He, like, he screwed that one up, and he had to make up for it real quick. And then the Bears' defense helped out Fields a lot, intercepting Burrow three times, and Rokon Smith took one of them to the house, get a TD. So he's coming along pretty well. I was happy and sad about that all at the same time. <laughs> it didn't help your fucking fantasy, did fantasy, it? Fantasy, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm playing Rusty in my Dynasty League, and he has Roquan, and he puts up fucking 38 points because of that fucking interception touchdown. That's huge for defensive player. Yeah, man, it's massive. So, But I was happy that, uh, you know, the Bears' defense showed up, and they'd got a W, and <laughs> but... Fuck. <laughs> so Joe Burrow became the first quarterback since Ryan Fitzpatrick in week three of 2018 versus Pittsburgh Steelers to throw three interceptions on three consecutive passes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. That would explain why my fucking Bengals receivers in fantasy didn't do much today. <laughs> you have a few of them. In a couple of different leagues, yeah. I mean... I, I don't know what to say. Like, I guess the like the defense must have been just like so upset that the Rams embarrassed them last week. Must have been, they, yeah. just, they, they, they were like, we can't let this guy do anything. Hopefully, Joe, uh, hopefully, the Bears games, hopefully the Bears games on uh, NFL replay later on this week. I can watch it. <laughs> Got to get game pass, man. Yeah. Let's see. We'll see. So some other rookie QBs that we'll keep an eye on. Again, it was not good and meh today. Lawrence had a rough run with two picks and was held under 120 yards passing against the Denver D. I'm telling you, man, that told you about this kid. He's going to do shit. He's going to be fuck all. No, man, he's a number one overall pick. Yeah, well, what's he done and so far? He, yeah. He's in a, he, they got rid of all their guys, and Urban Meyer are still learning how to coach in the NFL. Now I think they're making him pass too much and not run running the ball enough, but that's just me. I I think you still got to give him way more time. Like yeah, it's it's been a little bit rough here and there, but this uh, Denver D is not a joke. Like it's easily like top five. The game's moving too fast for this kid. It's not for him. Well, it's just a matter of time, man. Like like just uh, said, this kid's gonna be good. Like it's his second game, man, and he plays for fucking Jacksonville. Like the whole team is shit. 
they have a couple good guys here and there. Like, that's about it. I guess the defense wasn't too bad last year, but not too bad. Really? I didn't think it was that good last year either. Well, they weren't great. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, they got a, a handful of players, like I said, here and there on, you know, offense, defense, and they're building. They're building, right? Mm. But he did better than Zach Wilson. His first two pat passes were intercepted in front of the MetLife faithful. That's that's pretty embarrassing for your the second overall pick, and the go. Jets Jets think he's their savior. He ended up with four picks. Now this was a Bill Belichick defense, and he just kills rookie quarterbacks. I think he has like a record of like six and twenty one now after this win against rookie or sorry, it's twenty. 21 and six. I was thinking the other way because they showed it uh, the opposite way of rookie quarterbacks against right. Bill Belichick's defense. So, yeah, now he's 21 and six. That's crazy. Yeah. And like the difference, I can't remember what the difference was in interceptions and TDs, but the interceptions were well higher than the passing TDs. And, and now with these four picks, it just increased. Plus, Zach Wilson never even threw a touchdown pass today. Is he just throwing lots of pressure at them, at these young QBs? I yeah, usually that's usually how he works. But I was I read that he didn't they didn't blitz him much today. Mm-hmm. He didn't, and actually Wilson didn't even get much uh, pressure on him. He threw like I think it said that he threw all four picks when he wasn't being pressured. Really? Uh-oh. Yeah. Just bad decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like he's obviously like hiding his coverages and everything like that the way that Belichick does with a rookie uh, quarterback and he doesn't know what he's going to see. The good thing is about this was the jets were able to run. They had a lot of rushing yards and that's the way they'll have to continue to, I think, play it more or less instead of letting Wilson wing it around. Yeah. I think you got to protect your rookie quarterbacks with running backs and, for sure. just, just by using them, like not necessarily in pass protection. Obviously, you got to do that too, but but run the ball, run the ball, run the ball when you have a rookie QB. And uh, Salah, that's there. He's a defensive minor coach, so mm-hmm. most defensive minor coaches like to run the ball more. Yep. And then he comes from that Shanahan tree, so he knows about how to run the ball. So on the other side of the field, Mac Jones just did his job. He only passed for 186 yards, no TDs, no interceptions. He let his running backs do his thing and and uh, just made sure he made those uh, third down completions, move the ball, keep it out of, and not throw it back to the the Jets. Kind of sounds like uh, you know an old school Tom Brady stat. You know he just did did his job. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't you know he that's... just let everybody else do their job. And that's I mean obviously that's the Patriot way. Do your job, right? So that's and that's a good. Comp- comparison i believe like you're saying because i think that's the way bill dealt with tom brady before too like he didn't let him pass too much they ran the ball and played good defense yeah okay i mean like this kid's still a rookie too right so he's gonna give trying to give him more time so that he can be more comfortable and right now it seems like have you had mentioned before the game's moving too fast for lawrence it seems like it's moving at a pretty good pace for jones because he's able to just do that do his job and he's He's not, uh, you know, throwing crazy amount of picks and such. I mean, don't right. get me wrong. I'm not saying that this Lawrence kid is a bad 
football player. I mean, I saw what he did in college, but I just think that from him going from a college to the NFL that quickly and that young, that, I mean, there, there's it, one thing, like I said, it's, it's moving too fast, but there's been players, not just in NFL, but I believe in hockey, baseball, that if you bring these kids up too early, it could either make or break them. And I think this, I'm sorry, this is Lawrence. It's, it's not going to be your, for at least another, I don't know, year or two before you get settled in and, and comfortable. I mean, who else are the Jags going to play a quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know their backup. They got rid of Gardner or Minshew, so I have no even uh, who they have backing him up. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't want to see him, you know, lose his confidence as as, as a quarterback. Like when I mean, you mentioned that he's never lost ever until his first NFL game. I mean, could that break his confidence? Uh maybe. Like you're not wrong in that comparison because you can look at Sam Bradford and Jared Goff. They were first overall picks. James Winston had a rough day today after dominating last week, and he was a first overall pick. Like. It's it's it can it can screw you up, but I think the cream rises to the top. I mean, like, look at Andrew Luck. Yeah, he he wasn't on a good team, and then he came out and did did his job. And and a lot of times more than his job. And if injuries wouldn't have taken him out of this game, he would be a top a top threat right now for sure. Look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning went like 13 and three his first rookie year. And then he, I don't think he ever had a losing record for, the, for a season again. Anyways, we're going to move on to our points and penalties lock. We did it, guys. We got ourselves wins. Yeah. Everyone, everyone got wins this week. <laughs> uh, we figured out the correct way to look at things. And yeah, first week's always like, it can go either way. So Peter had the Bills over the Dolphins, which I agree completely on this one, but I did not think it was going to be this big of a blowout. Oh. Bills Bills knocked Tua out of the game, and their defense pitched a shutout, 35 nothing. Wow. Yeah. Allen did his usual thing. He's kind of back to what he was last year. But he didn't get a lot of yards passing-wise, but he just – he moved the ball. They had a lot of – the running backs did pretty good. So he went 17 for 33, 180, 179 yards, two TDs, and one interception, five carries for 35 yards. And Delvin, Delvin Singletary got three, 13 carries for 82 yards, one TD, two receptions, and nine yards. And then Zach Moss. I don't know if you guys saw one of his touchdowns. It was uh, – it. I thought it would have been a penalty, but it looked like old school football, like – I can't remember the linebacker that went into him, but it was right on the goal line. They smashed each other right, like head head oh, on head. I did see that, yeah. And the linebacker just fell down, and then Zach Zach Moss actually had the effort and went in on the second opportunity, yeah, which was pretty impressive. But I I know the, I think they're both a little messed up. But he didn't like overall. But he's a goal line guy. Overall, he didn't have very good. Uh, Average today, eight yards for 28, eight carries for 26 yards and two TDs, though. But that's his job is to get TDs in the goal line. And sure. after that replay, you see why. But I still think that should have been a penalty on both of them because you're not supposed to do that shit. Yeah. But it looked it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> so the Bills shutout win here is the largest shutout win uh, 
versus Miami's since 1966. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it was their first road shutout win since uh, October of 2016 at New England when they won 16 nothing. And surprise, surprise, the QB, Jacoby Brissett. And he was the backup today for Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh Allen should have had a fucking rushing t- touchdown. He was fucking touched and down at the fucking inch line. And then- So, yeah, I saw that. Murray did the exact same thing, and they gave him the touchdown. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's uh, – that's such a stupid rule. I don't think they should allow guys to dive. Or quarterbacks. If they're going to dive, you're going to get smoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like that rule. So – like, like when you start to dive, that's when they say you're giving yourself up. Incredible. Right. He was but going why, forward though. He wasn't sliding, right? Like he was No, I know, but but if you if you jump, if you dive forward as a quarterback, you're technically giving yourself up now. Right. That's a new rule. And so they go to the location where you're giving yourself up. Mm. But I still because I guess too many people's injuries when they slid, uh they were causing a lot of knees and ankles injuries. So people thought it was safer to dive, which I don't see how they can think that, but like with this new rule, it helps. But that's what I think was called because he dove into the end zone. But I agree with you. I think they should have given him the touchdown. Uh, so Kevin's pick was the 49ers over the Eagles. Yeah. Way to pick NFC West. <laughs> uh, as far as of today, I don't know what happened with the Seahawks and Titans won in overtime. Oh, they did win. So the NFC is not, uh, NFC West isn't, they got one loss, I guess. Yeah. yeah so 49ers win. Jimmy G did his thing. Uh, 189 yards, one TD, 11 carries, which was a lot, I feel like. 20 yards and one TD. Jalen Hurts, not so good. But he ran the ball pretty well. 10 carries for 82 yards and one TD. And then Bosa got two sacks. Yosh had the Cardinals. Yeah. NFC West. Yeah. Vikings. Uh, over the Vikings. And Murray had quite the day again. A couple interceptions. Three TDs. And one rushing touchdown. He had over 400 yards passing. And I saw one touchdown that the Rondell Moore who had seven receptions for 14, 114 yards and one TD. Uh, he was wide open on that play. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it, like I, I can't believe how many in the, the last two weeks, how many guys are running wide open. Defense need to shape up. Second week, man. <laughs> I know, but like it, it seems like it, a lot of people are running wide open. But you're right, it is second week. And then I picked the Rams over the Colts. Of course you did. Yeah, well, it's the NFC West, and it's my boy. Stafford didn't have as good as a game as against the Bears. 278 yards, one, two TDs, one INT. Daryl Henderson got hurt in this game. He was doing pretty good for us, 53 yards rushing, a TD, a couple catches for 30 yards. And Cooper Cup had a monster of a game with nine receptions, 163 yards, two TDs. Wentz got hurt in this game right at the end. When it was tied up, he, he, they kicked the field goal to tie it up, and then the Rams went down and got the got the field goal, and then Jacob Eason came in and threw an interception right to Ramsey. 
Now, isn't this another accident prone uh, quarterback, Wentz? Yeah, he is. He's, he's injury prone. And uh, Donald took him down, twisted his ankle. It looked really gruesome. So, yeah, I got to look that up, man. Yeah, you'll like it, you weirdo. Pittman showing up, eight receptions with 123 yards in that game as well. So, good for him. And Wentz didn't actually play that bad. He was just under a lot of pressure. He made a bunch of plays, I thought, I thought against a good Rams defense. So for the locks this week, Peter's 1-1, Jesse's 1-1, Kevin's 1-1, and Josh is 1-1. Well, I'm glad we all got a win there for our, our locks of the week. Uh, we'll have to uh, – everybody will have to check out social media because uh, we post them there on the Thursday so you know we're not cheating if we take the Thursday game. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's 1-1. One one. About time. I mean, uh, wouldn't want to be 0-2. No, definitely not. No. <laughs> so, gents, let's slide into the uh, MLB, some baseball news. Uh, just a kind of a funny thing I saw last night. So, Manny Machado was screaming and yelling at Fernando Tatis Jr. in the fifth inning last night uh, versus the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Machado was shouting at Tatis, telling him, you know, it's, it's not all about you. Just you go and play baseball. So what happened is Tatis struck, struck out looking in the fifth and reacted angrily to the call uh, and was chirping the fucking umpy and whatnot. And manager came out, tries to, uh, you know, calm him down and then argues the call with the umpire. Manager gets tossed and, uh, you know, Tatis is still screaming and yelling, goes back into the dugout, slams his helmet uh, down and whatnot. And then that's when Machado gave him an earful. For me, this is uh, I like I like this by Machado. He's he's an older older player. He's twenty nine versus uh, twenty two with Tatis, and to me, it's a it's a bit of a leadership thing. Saying, "Look, dude, like we are in a fucking playoff hunt here. We need to win every game we can because they're not doing nearly as well as they started of the season." And I, I like I said, I like this by Machado. I think it's it's great that he. You know, tunes Tatis in. Tatis is an all-star. He's a great player, but sometimes you got to reel them in and say, look, bro, this is about us, not about you. That's what bets do, bud. That's why they're out there. Exactly. I mean, like, Machado was like this, so someone probably stepped in and did this to him, and he, he remembers it and just exactly. decided to pass the wisdom on. Exactly, and that's what it is. So, you know, these two guys had to be separated by teammates uh, in the dugout during the incidents, but – you know, in the bottom of the fifth, they both went out to their positions side by side, third and short, no issues. Right. I mean, that's, you can't, you can't have issues like that. You know, you yell at somebody and then it, you gotta be, you gotta turn right around and, and uh, play as your team again and, uh, and carry on, you know, you just got to brush those off your shoulders. And like you said, carry on. Yeah. And then use it as a learning experience. Like I said, Joseph, like I said, Machado likely got fucking yipped at by, by some other guy. And, and he's passing on that knowledge. And now, you know, who knows? In a few years, maybe Tatis will do that. Yeah, yeah, he's still a young player. The so. next hot shot, exactly. So anyway, I just wanted to, to mention that because, it's, uh, you know, they did end up blowing a two-run lead in the eighth and lost 3-2 to the to the Cardinals and are now three and a half games back of the Cardinals for the final wildcard spot in the National League. But that's uh, just, you know, showing you how important this game was that they really needed to uh, – to win this so unfortunately uh unfortunately for them they actually got swept in this series against the cardinals so wasn't very good for san diego at all 
Well, because St. Louis now has that second wild card spot. Exactly. So that was a that was a big sweep. Yeah, for sure. And talk about the wild card, Jess. Let's uh, get ready here into the National League playoff picture. So the NL East right now, the Braves are leading, but the Phils are only one game back. So that could easily flip-flop there. The Brewers have a, a, a stronghold on the NL Central. And the Giants and the Dodgers are in a battle for the NL West. The Dodgers are currently two games back of the Giants. Both of these teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, it's just going to be whether they one of them has to play, which one of them has to play in a wild card round. Currently in the wild card, like I said, the Dodgers are sitting in that spot right now, and they're 16 games up on the next wild card spot number two, <laughs> which is the Cards. So they got it. No matter if they stay at, in second in the NLS and, and are first for the wild card, or they ended up uh, pulling up and and dethroning the Giants in the NLS, the Giants and the Dodgers are both going to the playoffs. One's going to be the NLS champ. One's going to be the wild card number one seed. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And then, like we said, the Cards are holding the number two. A uh, wild card slot with the Reds two games back. Uh, the Phillies, and there was one other team that I cannot remember offhand because I'm dumb. They are three games back, and then the Padres are three and a half games back. So their uh, Padres is looking pretty tough for them right now. But who knows? Maybe this uh, maybe this blow up by Machado to, to Tatis will fire up this team, and maybe they'll get on a streak, on a run. Who knows? We'll see. Not a lot of games left to do that. <clears throat> no, nope. There's not, but. One thing I'd like to point out, that Brewer's uniform. Do you guys see that yellow grossness? No. no. Those those unis look disgusting, man. Get rid of it. Is it all yellow? No, I I don't remember what the pants were, but I mean, I'm telling you, the shirt was like piss yellow, man. It was just disgusting. It was just stupid. Does it kind of look like the the third jersey for Oakland every once in a while? They wear that one? Yeah, it's just a plain-ass yellow. Didn't like it at all. So there you go. Kim doesn't like the yellow jerseys. No. Okay, guys, let's uh, going to jump over into the AL. We're going to get into our Blue Jays update because we love the Blue Jays. You're still uh, still surprising us, I guess. This is really surprising me. Not Kev. Kev nope. knew. So this week, two and one versus Tampa, and they were also two and one versus Minnesota. They're currently sitting in the second wild card spot, as we had said, and I'll get to the uh, actual standings here in just a, just a moment. Bad news, though, they place Hunja and Ryu on the 10-day IL with a neck strain, but the Jays, Montoya, and uh, everyone else is hopeful that uh, Ryu will only miss the one start uh, this coming Wednesday. And from what I hear right now, it's look like Ross Stripling is going to step in for uh, Ryu here. So this sucks, but it's better to sit him now and figure this out because if this becomes an issue, you know, two weeks from now, uh, then we're going to be in real trouble. So we uh, we need these guys healthy uh, for this last run. I mean, we got – he's not our best pitcher anymore, so. No, but he's still a top three pitcher. So, <laughs> you know, for us at least. Yeah, for us, yeah. So he's I don't know. Like, I, like, it is – it sucks. You're going to lose a starter, like you said, probably the number three. But – it's these guys have been dealing with injuries all year long. And so maybe this will hurt us, but, but they've been winning even when they had the injuries. Well, they keeps fucking hitting, you know, driving in eight runs a game, then they'll be fine. <laughs> Damn straight. Talk about driving in runs, hitting home runs. 
Marcus Semyon and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have become just the fourth duo in Blue Jays history to hit 40-plus home runs in the same season. So they joined Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson in 2015, Carlos Del- Delgado and Tony Bautista in 2000, Delgado again, and Sean Green in 1999. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah, I'm shocked that uh, Edwin isn't on there with uh, Bautista or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or, or Josh Donaldson. Yeah, exactly. And the next year, the 16, they did pretty good. He must have been like the high 30s then at that point. Yeah, it must have been, yeah. But that's pretty cool. That's, you know, just another little little notch in both of their belts. And Semyon's having a, a really good year. Obviously, uh, Vlad is as well. And those two guys right now are the driving force in uh, – and the Jays kicking ass. So, you know, in this last, I guess, half of the season. Well, I mean, your boy Springer's been pretty good when he's shown up. When he can, yeah, when he's not hurt and he can play, he's been pretty solid. But he gets hurt too much. At least this year. Hopefully next year he doesn't have these many injuries. Oh, shit. So, Vladdy, going to carry on with him. We dropped the triple crown. We brought it back. We're bringing it back again. <laughs> gotta gotta keep talking about this guy because he's he's still lighting it up. First in average, three eighteen. First in home runs, forty six, and he's fourth in RBIs with one hundred four behind Sal Perez of the uh, KC Royals, one hundred and thirteen. So he's got uh, he's got a few RBIs to get to catch up. But with what do we got like? 12 games left something to that effect ish yeah that's uh it's going to be tough to catch him on the rbi but hopefully he can just get just a little bit hotter and hit a few more more home runs get a couple extra rbi here and there be awesome awesome to see this guy as a triple crown winner and that to me solidifies the mvp see I don't think it does. And this might be like the first year that it doesn't just because of Otani, just because of how well he's been pitching and, and hitting now it hasn't been hitting that great lately, but uh, he's still been hitting. And the other thing that he can do is steal bases. Yeah. Like he's an all around baseball player. If Vladdy doesn't get it this year, man, don't count. Like, don't count this guy ever out. He'll, he'll get his like that. That's he'll the get, thing too. He'll, to- he'll get many of them. Well, maybe. Uh, it's pretty tough to get multiple MVPs. Yeah. But the, the thing is, too, if he gets, if he doesn't get it this year, maybe he, it drives him to do better next year, right? Yeah. Like, he wants to get it, and being someone that might get the Triple Crown uh, and not getting the MVP, which I think might happen. Like, I looked it up, and I think there's only, like, 12 Triple Crown winners, and they've always been the MVP. Yeah, it would be it would be crazy if if he didn't get the MVP if he wins the triple crown to me. But right. we're also in an area where we've never really had this since Babe Ruth, right? With the pitching like, with Otani. With the, yeah, with how being as good as he is, right? Mm. So I don't know. But I believe Vladdy is dominating and everything like that. He like there was a couple stats that he had. I saw that got flashed on the screen of the sports net and he was like, he was like had the most hits in the league and then the most 
runs scored. And then I think the most total bases. Now he doesn't have the best OPS in the major leagues, but he's got the best in the AL. Bryce Harper has a bit more, but he's also played 20 less games compared to Vladdy. But it's it's some really, really impressive what he has been able to do. For sure. So they were just playing the twins and this this weekend, and they asked Josh Donaldson. Uh, about Vladdy and his, you know, potential MVP run here. And Donaldson said for him, the measure of, of the MVP is basically what he's doing for that team. So if you remove Vladdy and take out all what he's done for the Blue Jays, it's more significant than what Otani is doing in LA. Yep. When you pull out Otani. I mean, you can make that argument because the Angels don't don't have anyone on their team besides uh, Trout. Yeah, who's been hurt all year. Yeah, so it's it's tough to make that argument right now because of that because they got they don't have a lot of good players. Whereas Blue Jays have a lot of good young players. Mm-hmm. But I do believe if you did take Vladdy out of this lineup, we wouldn't be in the wild card race at all. Not at all. So that's another thing to say is like, is that, isn't that what an MVP does is, is, is win. Right. It helps, helps get you wins. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I said, like there is an argument to be had between the MVP between Otani and Vladdy, but it's just because how weird this season is for both of them that I think Otani will get this. It'll be interesting. That's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. It makes it exciting too, it like, like because you haven't really seen an MVP race like this before. Yeah, for sure. So when Vladdy hit his 46th home run to take the MLB lead, he also moves into second place on the all-time uh, home run list, age 22 or younger. So, as I said, he's number two with 46. Number one is Eddie Matthews at 47. So, just one more home run. So, I'm hoping he uh, surpasses that. Eddie Matthews did that in 1958. And he just passed. 53. Joe... You have or, 53 here. Sorry, 53. Yeah, my bad. 8-3. They look the same. <laughs> I'm getting old. I need my glasses. <laughs> uh, so, he's tied DiMaggio with 46 currently. DiMaggio did it in 1937. And Johnny Bench hit 45 in 1970. Now, actually, just uh, quickly on Johnny Bench here, Sal Perez has 45 home runs this year, and that ties Johnny Bench's uh, record for a catcher all-time in the pros. Perez is having a great year. He is, yeah, for sure. It's too bad the rest of his team isn't. Mm -hmm. Especially for a catcher. But I I think he plays a lot of DH, too. Well, it's fine. doesn't matter how how you get at bats, right? Right, because you don't want to – you need his bat in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. And so with that 46 homer by Vlad, uh, he passed his dad, Vlad Sr., for his single-season home run record of 45. So Junior has out-homered his daddy. That's going to be fun to throw around the table. For sure. <laughs> at, family, at family dinners and stuff. 100%, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just show him the ball, right? Hey, Dad, look. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> this is the one that you didn't get, remember? <laughs> <laughs> So the upcoming week for the Jays and for this wild card uh, AL wild card race, 
The Jays have three against Tampa and four against Minnesota. These are, we need to win all these games. Probably not going to happen, but uh, you got to go two and one and three and one. That's what I'm saying. It's the exact same schedules we had last week. Oh, that's Already, yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're right on that. Huh. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. That's fucked up. Yeah. Well, I'm going to carry on here. Well, you can see if it is, but. No, you're, yeah, it is. It's, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. three against the, well, it's four against the Twins. Right, right, yeah. So, but it, it's the same two teams, yeah. So, yeah, they need to, uh, they need to win five of those seven games at least, which is going to be tough against Tampa, but. And for some reason, they have trouble with Minnesota. They were, it wasn't as easy as it should have been this past weekend against Minnesota, but. Yeah. And they took uh, two from Tampa, which is great. And I got to do that yep. again. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was phenomenal. I don't think it was a bad week for us. Like I know we lost one against Mini, but it's, it, this is what you need to do is win, just win series. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Boston will have two against the Mets and then three against the Yankees which will be a huge series, the Yanks and the, and the Red Sox, because that's basically going to tell us who we're actually going to be fighting with for the uh, for this wild card. Yeah, so New York has got three against Texas and then the, again, that same three at Boston. So they both have two a uh, couple two easy teams, but playing against each other, what do you guys want to happen there? Like, I guess, Yoshi, you want the Yanks to win to get into that wild card spot i mean for my for my pick yeah um i think i think the jays have a better chance to beat the yankees in boston yeah so it i don't know i'm guessing i'm guessing boston and toronto make it that's my guess too and i don't see them playing the yankees i think it's boston okay so you want as a fan not as your pick that makes the Playoffs. Uh, no, it has nothing to do about me with Toronto being my my pick. I'm just saying I, that's I agree with Yoshi. It's going to be Boston against Toronto, right? But what I'm what I'm saying is, so my question to you guys is, you'd because we're sitting in the lower part of that wild card spot, and the guy that's behind us is the Yankees. So would you just want the Yankees to get sweep then, and just to help us guarantee that spot? I mean, we I. I'd prefer to play the Yankees in the wild card game. Oh, I guess we wouldn't play the Yankees in the wild card game. Yeah, we had if Boston gets out, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you one. It's yeah. a one. It's a one game yeah. thing to make that. That's the actual wild card, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would rather play have the Jays play the Yankees because I think they can beat the Yankees easier than they can beat the Red Sox. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. No, uh, like I said, yeah, Boston, Toronto. Because Boston's up one game, right in the in the wild card. So, and they're like, I was just wondering. They, yeah, you might be right. And at that point too, like we might be, we'll have to play it in Boston. Of course, yeah. So if if uh, and you think the Yankees won't be as good, so you want the Yankees to sweep Boston pretty much. Yeah, but then we also the Jays play the Yankees the following week. We have three against mm-hmm. the Yankees. So yeah. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be up and down here for the next couple of weeks still. I, I yeah. think it's gonna go down to the game that we're gonna be out there to watch. It might. That would be cool if it actually was a very meaningful game. 
I don't know if the last game of the season will be or not. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Newsflash, we're going. Newsflash, we're going to the game October third. Yeah. Anybody want to join us? Find us there. <laughs> All right, and so we've been talking about the wild card here, uh, but let's talk about the rest of the American League playoff picture. The Rays have the East all wrapped up. The White Sox have the Central all wrapped up. And the Houston Asterisks have the AL West all wrapped up. And it's basically just a race for the next two best AL East teams. As we just said, the Red Sox, the Jays, the Yanks. And the next closest would be the Athletics. And they're two and a half games back of the Jays for that second wild card spot. I mean, like, it's not wrapped up, but it's it's pretty much. Like, they aren't they aren't guaranteed a spot yet. Like in the, the divisions, like mathematically, they're not. No, but come on, man. The six games, ten. No, no, games, no I know. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like clinching the actual spot. Yeah, no, they haven't clinched. But I'm gonna go out on a limb, a hot take, and say that both, all three <laughs> of these teams are making the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, like those cold takes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly hey, what that is. Okay, we got one more piece of baseball news, but it's not in the baseball segment. It's coming up next. Our MVP for points and penalties this week is our boy, Marcus Simeon. Most home runs in a season by a second baseman must play 50% of the games is Davy Johnson, 43 in 1973, Brian Dozer from KC, 42 in 2016, Roger Hornsby, 42 in 1922, and Ryan Sandberg, 40 in 1990 is tied with Marcus Simeon this year. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty good, man. He's in fourth place all time. Right, and there's still games to play. Yep. He might have a shot at getting the most. That would be awesome if he could. Yeah. I hope he does it on, on the game we go to. It gets number 44 right there. That would be cool. And I catch it. <laughs> <laughs> In foul. In foul territory, bud. <laughs> and then he wants the ball back. And the, the foul pull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this is a big year for him. Career high in home runs, RBIs with 95 and stolen bases. This man is a veteran and he's gotten the most stolen bases in his career at 15. The other high that he has here is the best slugging percentage that he's ever had with 539. Yeah, man, he's been, he's been solid all year. Definitely has blown my expectations out of the water. And uh, this turned out to be a pretty good signing. I think well worth the money. Good pickup from the athletics. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, of course. And I'm glad to eat my, uh, my plate of crow on this because I did not think he was going to be as good as he was. I thought he was a bit washed up. He hasn't done anything since his big year yeah, a couple years ago. And, yeah, he's just shown out. And it's, it's I thought he was going to have a little bit of trouble moving to second base because he's more of a shortstop. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was going to go to third, and I was wrong there. So I was just been wrong about this guy completely. But I'm I'm glad he's on the team, and the brat the BJ's brass and what they're doing. Seems like it, eh? Mm-hmm. Hopefully they bring him back. Yeah, because I think it's just a one year deal. Yeah, they're pretty sure it is. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully he doesn't want ridiculous money. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the year to do it. <laughs> He's going to get it, right? Yeah. It'll be tough re-signing him, especially since we have a lot of – we got Robbie Ray and everyone and uh, other people too we got to re-sign. So it's going to be tough to get him back, I think. But what's happening in the NBA? Not a whole fuck of a lot. Off season, there's not much going on, boys. Uh, one thing here, the LA Clippers and owner Steve Ballmer have announced that the Clippers will be moving into a new stadium uh, in Englewood, California. So they'll be building their own new building, scheduled kind of thing to open up in uh, the 24-25 season. And this uh, this arena is looking at it being a you know, an estimated cost of upward of $2 billion, which is pretty much the same price that Steve Ballmer paid for the Clippers uh, just seven years ago. The hell does this guy do? Uh, he was a Microsoft CEO. He, I think he resigned or retired or whatever in like 2013 or something. Just filthy fucking rich. So the reasoning for moving out of the Staples Center and getting into their own building is because Ballmer said he realizes that the Clippers need to get their own arena if they want to build their own identity, which I totally agree with, you know, staying in the Staples Center, you are the Lakers' little brother. You know, you're you don't get the recognition. That's that's the Laker arena. It's not you know, it's not the Clipper yeah. arena. So uh, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly here, and uh, I like this. I like this move. Is it going to be close to like the new SoFi Stadium for the Rams because they're in Inglewood too? I would imagine it's going to be pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. It would make sense, right? Share parking and stuff like that, right? It's also going to be a disaster if they try and have both teams play games there the same day. Yeah, especially because big like, primetime games on Sunday in basketball, right? Are they? Some of them are, yeah. Uh, hmm. um, so Ballmer said that he has spent years traveling the country, studying stadiums and arenas. He's pulling inspiration from places such as a student uh, section at Duke, which is apparently going to be reflected in a section of 51 uninterrupted rows of the stadium. It's going to be called the wall, which is crazy. That's a lot of fucking people in one section. I'd be a bitch to get in and out of as a fan, but it would be pretty cool to, uh, to be intimidating. Be part of the wall. Is yeah. this supposed to be like a game of Thrones reference? Is that what they're going for? <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I just think, you know, the wall of, of fans that are cheering against you, right? And then Ballmer also is taking several uh, guiding principles from his own fan base. They want to be in their seats as much as possible. So to Ballmer, he's saying, let's keep them in their seats. Let's keep them watching basketball and cheering as much as possible. So in order to minimize the time fans have to bring away from their seats, the Intuit Dome, as it's going to be called, uh, will have more legroom than any other arena in the NBA, double the amount of toilets, and no checkout lines at concession stands. So everything's going to be ordered through an app online type thing. I'm not sure if it'll just be all everywhere. Everything will be delivered directly to your seat from an app. Or if you will go to a concession stand and, you know, like, hey, I bought a fucking hamburger, whatever, a nacho, you know, give it to me type thing. I'm not sure how they'll work that out. But it's kind of cool to uh, to not have to wait in line to pay for your, you know, your nacho or your pizza or whatever, your beer. You can just get up there and go. And I would think that they would be serving it to you. They probably will be. And especially the VIP seats, you know, the better seats, they already do that. So, mm-hmm. so, and maybe that's going to, maybe that'll create more jobs for people in the stadium too. Who knows? That might be just a side uh, bonus of this. So I, I like this. 
by the uh, Clippers owner here. I think this is great to uh, to get out of the Staples Center and, as he said, create their own identity. I think it's going to be good for the Clippers here. The Milwaukee Bucks have named Lisa Byington as a team's new TV play-by-play announcer on Bally Sports Wisconsin, making her the first woman to handle full-time TV play-by-play duties for a major men's professional sports team. This is awesome. Just more doors being opened up for women. Uh, as we've seen, you know, in the last handful of years, uh, women have really moved up uh, in sports of all, all kinds and all aspects, uh, you know, behind the scenes and as coaches and referees, stuff like that. So uh, Byington will replace longtime Bucks announcer Jim Paschke, who retired following the 2021 season after serving as a TV play-by-play announcer for the last 35 years. I thought this was they, they already had a someone doing play by play for a female, but they they had just been the uh, color commentator then. Must have been color, yeah. But well, this is full time, so like oh. Doris, I think she's on ESPN. I can't remember her last name, but Doris does a lot of play by play, but she's not full time. So this is this is one you know she's going to be doing full time for the Bucks every single night, hmm. which, which is sweet. Where Doris will do you know, whatever the primetime game is. So she's not really full-time for one team, right? Uh, now, Byington, she previously did play-by-play for the Women's World Cup on Fox in 2019, became the first woman to call an NCAA men's basketball tournament game in March. And uh, she subsequently was behind the mic for the men's and, wi- and women's soccer games at the Tokyo Olympics for NBC. So she definitely has some experience here and uh, lots of experience. Yeah. And obviously the Bucks think that uh, she's, she's a good voice for them. And this is great. Like I said, more doors uh, opening and continuing to be open for women in sports in men's sports. No, it's great. It's great news. And like you said, she's got tons of experience in this. I but I, I swear I thought they I, were part of the play-by-play already for a few NFL, but maybe it was just the color commentary. Uh-huh. But good for her. That's awesome. Yep. And Aaron Gordon signs a four-year, $92 million extension to stay with the Denver Nuggets. This is uh, pretty good news if you're a Denver fan. Aaron Gordon's uh, not a half-bad player. He can slam the fucking ball down like uh, like nobody's business. And he's going to create, you know, maybe not as huge of a three-headed monster in Denver as there are in other cities, but having Jokic, now Gordon, and Kitchener own Jamal Murray, that's uh, it's not too half bad. It's uh, better than a lot of teams out there with their, their top three guys. And I think Denver is going to be a, a force we reckon with this upcoming uh, NBA season. Well, they're still a young team too. So, yep. like, it, they kind of remind me a bit of the Bucks. Right. And depending on like the last couple of years of the Bucks, they had a pretty young team and then they started trading for all the like the vets. Cause I think you, I think we talked about them being like in the top 10 or something like that. And one of the oldest teams in the league or something for average age. Right. So that's pretty much it for the NBA. Like I said, it's been pretty slow. Good nonetheless. You know, you get these, uh, the new, the new building. We got a woman doing the play by play and another three headed monster type thing for, uh, for the Nugs. So, that's it there on the hard court. It's like one big monster and two little guys. Well, yeah, but well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> anyway, Kev, let's skate on over to the NHL. What do you got happening? Well, speaking of monsters, with this gentleman being on skates, if they believe he's like uh, seven foot one, fucking huge. Chara signs a one year deal back with the Islanders, which is the original team that drafted him. 
now 44 years old, on his fourth um, straight one-year deal. This is the only way he's getting a contract, is one-year deals. Yeah, one-year deals. I mean, I think this guy should just lay him, tie him up, put him on the, the shelf, and call it a day. He's not a liability yet, though, is he? He's slow as fuck, man. I mean, the only thing that this guy has is a long-ass stick. I mean, the stick is as tall as I am, for crying out loud. That's a good thing he's got reach, right? He doesn't have to be fast. He can just reach right over you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm sure his body strength is still huge. I mean, this guy can still lay people out. I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to fight him. <laughs> Remember that fucking fight against Brian McCabe? Oh, man, he tossed him around like a rag doll. <laughs> Not like and a rag doll. Brian was about like, like, like about 200 and some odd pounds then, man, and he's tossing him around like nothing. But he even actually am open and admitted to say that he would never actually full out hit someone as hard as he possibly could. I mean, this, this guy is honestly a beast. I mean, this guy can scrap too. It's scary to sit there and, and watch him. But we have uh, Crosby wants um, Ovechkin to break Gretzky's goal record. Just hope that's, that's all his goals that he gets are against the other teams as he's trying to add to, or, or sorry, trying to add towards it. As yeah, Crosby would put for sure. Crosby doesn't want the goals against Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> no, score them against all the other teams, not against Pittsburgh. That's a pretty standard response, but that's awesome that he wants, you know, that he's, he wants Ovechkin to break it. And I kind of want him to break it too. You know, it's just been so long. Gretzky's had this, this record. And well, Gretzky has many of, but I mean, did the best do actually will go down. I mean, I'd like to see him do it too, just because I'm not really a great, you know, I just, I just, oh my God, Gretzky's just. It seems like you just don't like goats as well. You, you don't like Tom Brady. You don't like Gretzky. I mean, I'd, again, I'd rather take Lemieux over Gretzky. I mean, I just, I just don't know. A great Canadian player. I mean, the guy is honestly one of the greatest, but records do need to be broken. He's the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> Records do need to be broken, and I would like to see Ovechkin actually do it as well. Like we said before, he's got a few years of, you know, 30-plus goals or 40-plus. I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, but I remember we have talked about it prior. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. He's, he's still going to produce at a high level for the next few years before he, he's going to crack that, that record. But And he can't slow down. Well, no. Exactly. So it's not going to be easy. No, but I think it would be fucking sweet of here to do it just to just because it was one of those records that people said nobody would ever touch. And, Have a break. Yeah. And uh, Ovi's getting awfully close. That he is. Now, I know we brought this up, or at least I brought it up in regards to Vander Kane and his shenanigans with, like, I would like to say now, the new Pete Rose of hockey. Because <laughs> uh, Vander Kane believes he'll be cleared of the NHL's investigation into accusations or accusations from his estranged wife that he, I don't know, uh, or wagered on his own games and threw games for gambling purposes. Now, I, I saw an interview that he was doing. Uh, I can't remember really what it was from, but they were talking about his uh, Chapter 7 bankruptcy as part of his legal, legal findings. He said he had lost a $1.5 million gambling at a casino via bookie over a 12-month span leading into his bankruptcy petition. Uh, Kane denied every betting on the NHL game or even altering his play because of a bet or anyone that is else made on a game. So I, I see him betting on his own team. 
<laughs> I mean, if you see if you see some of these shots that this guy took last year that were, you know, should have been, would have been, but over the net or way off to the left or way off to the right. I see him doing it, but he's covering it. And his wife is probably the best person to talk to, but she ain't going to give up shit right now. Because there's smoke, there's fire usually, right? So they wouldn't be going through this without having evidence of this. So but betting on his own team is it's pretty risque. It's shaving, shaving points off the score, right? For sure. Right. And most of his teammates right now, I don't believe, want him back. So, I mean, with this all being done with him in the NHL, I mean, are you going to pick him up? But they, they don't want to play with him because of this. So is it, I mean, they're speculating that he's guilty then, right? I'm assuming as well. I mean, I, I don't know. Would you want him in your room knowing that this guy could possibly be gambling on your game? But what if he's not? He's a half-decent player, was at least. Like, if he helps your team. I mean, obviously, he's not helping you by shaving points off. But, you know, if he if he's cleared of this and these accusations from his ex-wife or or estranged wife are false, then then he seems like he's just a good guy that got the short end of his stick because of his, you know, his wife. Like, I don't know. He's been a kind of a goof, but. Yeah, I, I, I still say he's like a bit of a big cancer in the room. I mean, I don't know if I would want him. I mean, if you don't want him for other reasons, fine. But you, to not want him because he's been accused of something, if he comes, if it comes out and it says, oh, you know, these accusations were false, then. But there's no basis to to not want this guy on your team if that's the only basis. So okay, well, one he's still on the team is what I was told, or I see at least. Well, he's still no, he's not being team. told off the team. He's still be on the team. They just they don't want him back. And then like from the last thing I read, um, I think it was on last episode. I think I mentioned this prior or either on that they just don't want him. They don't want him to be there. But why? That's what I'm at. Like I don't understand why. If it's strictly because of this, fine, but. Like I said, if he's if it's proven that he's didn't do it, then they should have zero problem with it being back. But if there's other reasons, then so be it. That, you know, I obviously don't know the inner workings, but you would think in that, an article or whatever you read that they would give you some sort of reasoning to why these guys don't want them on on his team or on their team. Well, they can't trust him. Well, allegedly can't trust him. Right. Well, maybe 98 percent of them don't trust him, which is a player is going to be vaccinated to the start of the season of 89%. Leafs reportedly will be at 100%. Uh, only between 10 to 15 of roughly 700 players will not be vaccinated by the time the, the season begins on October 12th. That's awesome. That is good. I mean, it's a very physical sport, so, I mean, it would be best if they were all. I mean, and by the looks of it, they will be. The league and the NHL Players Association did not improve, or sorry, impose a vaccine mandate on players but restrictions include the uh, potential of uh, not being able to cross the uh, border of the U.S. into Canada without a lengthy quarantine. Uh, is it contributed to the to the number? Which makes sense, right? Like, if you, if you can't come into Canada and you got to sit around and and wait to play, then players are definitely going to say, "Well, I don't want that," so I might as well get jabbed, and then I don't have to worry about this quarantine, right? Because I mean. A lot of times you're in, you know, you come into Toronto as a Buffalo Saber, you play a game and you're out. And then, right. and then you go and play in the U.S. for a little bit. It's not like you jump around. You might do a road trip where it's Toronto, Montreal, and then you go back to Buffalo. But you sometimes you don't. So to miss that game is, uh, you know, it's not going to do well for your team. 
And if you're a team player, then, you know, you better get your shit together. You better be playing every night if you're, if you're healthy. Right. Just go out there and be like the Atlanta Falcons. Just get her done, man. Just get her done. Get your needle. Get her done. Get her done, bro. Now, I guess the uh, Sabres and the Leafs uh, outdoor classic uh, game in Hamilton is now actually official, which is absolutely awesome. It's close to home. The Sabres are, um, are listed as the home team against the Maple Leafs in the NHL's sixth Heritage Classic to be played in um, Tim Hortons Field. It's the home of the uh, crappy football league's uh, Canadian um, Hamilton Tiger Cats. On March 13th, the league will announce uh, Thursday. Buffalo comes uh, the first U.S.-based team to compete in the Heritage Classic, sorry, Classic, which is part of the NHL's outdoor series of games and traditionally set in Canada featuring matchups of Canadian teams. In choosing Hamilton, Ontario, as a host of the NHL selected a site that is virtually the midpoint of the 100-mile drive separating the Atlantic Div- Division rivals. I'm confused by this. This uh, Buffalo becomes the first U.S.-based team to compete in the Heritage Classic. So the Heritage Classic is just typically Canadian teams. They have like the other outdoor ones that are in the U.S., but they're not uh, called the Heritage Classic. They're called something else. Gotcha. Yeah. I think they're called the Winter Classic. The Winter Classic, that's right. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that's why I was getting mixed up. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I was that was clear. You should have challenged, so you could have got a minus. <laughs> why would I do that? I have no idea. Because <laughs> you'd help us those. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this. I'm likely going to buy a ticket. For myself, oh, I would this. love to be able to so. be joining this. I mean, it depends on what the t- ticket cost is, man. I don't care if I'm a nosebleed, just to be part of it. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty fun. Yeah, I, I wanted to go to uh, to some of these in the past and haven't been able to. Just didn't you go? To, you went to an alumni game for one of them. Yeah, right? yeah. Another thing too is they add a lot of extra seating, right, to these games. So like they'll put scaffolding everywhere. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's a football stadium, so they put a lot of extra seats on the actual football field because yeah. again, so yeah, yeah. So it's it's there'll be lots of seats for everybody to see the game. Like it's still tough to watch it, like it, at all the angles because hockey is such a smaller arena compared to to a football field or a soccer field. It's gonna be pretty sweet though. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to going. I'm I'm marking it on the calendar. Let us know, man. Let me let us know what it's gonna cost because I definitely would love to be part of that. I mean, I had a blast at it for sure, and I would definitely go to another one again. But with the Leafs being involved, like it's gonna be expensive. Or sold out already. It won't be sold out yet. It just got announced. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think tickets have been put on sale yet, but. It'll definitely be something you got to get on day one. That's for sure. When they do go on sale. You just got to be hitting the enter button on your freaking computer for about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. We'll be all the, right. ref- the refresh button. <laughs> yeah. We'll get some tickets. I'm not too, like I said, who cares where you're sitting? Like, yeah, no, who cares? I mean, other than, I guess you and Peter are the, you know, the, the big leaf fans or the big hockey fans, as opposed to Jesse and I. So I'm good with a fucking nosebleed. I just want to be there and get drunk and yep. have some fun. And be part of it. That's all. I would imagine we could probably convince a few other people. I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, guest host uh, Deline and Graham, they would probably be interested in going. For sure. As they're uh, big Leaf fans too, so. Or maybe even some of our listeners. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe we can make it a big old fucking road trip. 
Yeah, rent a truck. Something. A bus. Rent a van. Yeah. Bus. Yeah. Who knows? Now, going into our other stuff here, as what I like to call the crappy football league, the CFL. We have uh, Winnipeg here. That was uh, Winnipeg was versus uh, Edmonton. The defense turned uh, the tide for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Saturday. DeAndre Alford and um, Adam Big Hill recorded defensive touchdowns as uh, the league-leading Blue Bombers uh, fought through the way past the Edmonton Elks with a 37-22 victory. Going into the BC Lions versus the Montreal Alouettes. The BC Lions managed to keep the CFL's top-scoring offense uh, out of the, their end zone to win their third straight contest. The Lions limited uh, the Montreal Alouettes to a six field goals and they and no touchdowns in the 27-18 um, road win Saturday. We're going to our Toronto versus Saskatchewan. Ending a frustrating uh, touchdown drought, Saskatchewan on Friday was a huge relief for Cody Fajardo. Uh, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a 30 to 16 victory over the Toronto Alouettes, or sorry, Toronto Argonauts. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Which featured three offensive touchdowns by the, uh, by the Riders, which put the offense back on track. Calgary here was uh, versus uh, Hamilton. David Wat Watford's um, first start in the CFL resulted to a, in a win even though none of his drives resulted in a touchdown uh, taylor um Bart bartolt i think i said that right bartolt? Close, yeah it's bartolt? like your, it's like your last name but add an yeah. extra fucking o. oh connected to, um on a five on a five field goal attempts and simeon lawrence scored a 15 yard interception Return to a for a touchdown as the Hamilton Tiger Cats defeated the Calgary Stampeders 23 to 17 at Tim Hortons Field on Friday. So we're going to go into the East in regards to our uh, standings. We have Hamilton and Toronto both on top with the uh, three wins and three losses, which gives them six points. With the West, you still have the Winnipeg dominating with a six wins and one loss record, which gives them 12 points. Saskatchewan and BC hold second spot with a four win and two losses, which gives them uh, eight points. That's embarrassing for the sucks. Yeah, that's super <laughs> embarrassing. Like you said last week, Jess, you're like, so the East sucks and they still fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're at 500 and the teams that are in second place have better records than them. Uh, I'm, I'm calling Winnipeg to win that one. I mean, they won it last year and they're just dominant. I'm sure they're going to do it again this year. Now, uh, going into our soccer, which I like to call foosball. I know it's uh, been recorded on a movie that foosball is the devil, but I like to call soccer foosball because if you play it, oh, you are using like, you know, soccer ball, a little soccer ball there, and some soccer figures. Now, the Toronto FC finally snapped a six-game losing streak Saturday, defeating Nashville Soccer Club 2-1 to one on Omar Gonzalez's 79th-minute goal. The six foot five, unbelievable tall dude. Defender managed to contort his body to get a leg to a 
Jefferson's Sotolo free kick as he crashed the goal in front of the South stand at BMO Field. Going into championships leagues, uh, group stage started on Tuesday with a match between traditional heavyweights, Barcelona and Byron Munich. It's, it's Munich. Munich, sorry. So Barcelona and Byron Munich. Munich wins this match at a 3-0. Uh, Jordan uh, Henderson capped Liverpool's second half comeback with a brilliant controlled finish to clinch a 3-2 win over AC Milan and the Championships League on Wednesday. Now going into my favorite part that I like to watch here and there uh, is the MMA. We have in the UFC, Anthony Smith put on a dazzling performance on Saturday as he dominated Ryan Spann with a first round submission at the UFC fight night in Las Vegas. So those are the ones I was talking about before on last episode that was going to be happening. I mean, to be able to have someone tap out, it's impressive, but not as impressive as uh, EFC, the Elite Fighting Club. On uh, the 75th one is where I think I saw one of the best KOs you could ever see. I mean, I believe I showed it to you guys yesterday. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it was like a ninja-esque-like knockout. I'm just going to go last names here. Um, Madison was from versus um, Halagua. Madison just got what I like to say when you see KOs like this. And that is what, guys? Night, night. Night, night. Night, <laughs> night. I, that guy was out before oh, he landed. He was like standing there. Standing up, but he was out for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that was right, man. This um, Halangwa hit Madison with a with a right punch, with a falling spinning elbow or or a forearm, whatever which was that connected, which at that point put Madison was out like a light. And uh, here's where the Nolengua, uh, sorry, Nolengua, Inner Ninja came out, where Madison is on his way down to the mat. He got tagged with two other punches to the face while he was still knocked out. Like he was falling over pretty slowly. So yeah, well, he had enough time to sit there and smack two more into him, right? Like, yeah, that's, that was ruthless. <laughs> but the best part is when the guy's actually on the ground, the guy said, fuck it, let's just do one more punch and gets one more in there before the ref actually stepped in. Now I'm telling you, man, I love this kind of shit. That thing was just amazing. Uh, I don't know if I would have did with the other two punches. If I know Buddy was falling, I probably would have fucking blew him a kiss. Just to, you know, <laughs> night, night. It was just too good, of a, too good of a knockout in my mind. Well, let's get into our penalty boxes here, guys. So, Yosh, who do you have in your box? All right, I got a repeat offender this week. Back-to-back weeks. Kev, you had him in your box last week. Gary Sanchez. What a shitty dude. This week, he's in mine. So this week he failed to catch a foul pop-up that led to a seven running seven run fifth inning, which was capped off by an Andreas Jimenez three run Homer and the Cleveland Indians routed the Yankees 11 three on Saturday night to drop New York out of a playoff position. Now we've already gone through the, uh, the whole wild card thing. So I don't need to go over that, but um, obviously this is just one more error 
for Gary Sanchez. So Yankees manager Aaron Boone said the foul pop-up was a play that Sanchez had to make, which I think when you see the replay, you, you, he should have made it for sure. Wasn't there, you know, it wasn't an easy catch, but it wasn't a hard catch either. He should have made it. And so just last week, Sanchez failed to take out the Mets' Jonathan VR last weekend when Jody Gallo's throw reached a plate 20 feet ahead of him. And he was then criticized by manager Aaron Boone after failing to prevent two costly wild pitches in Thursday's 3-2 10 inning loss to Baltimore. So this guy has been shit in the bed, left, right, and center. And it's, it's Gary Sanchez. We know he's got a half decent stick and he's shit defensively. And I just, I can't believe that they, the Yanks are putting up with this. Like he, and he, his stick hasn't been that good this year that it overshadows all these, uh, all these errors. So, I mean, maybe they just don't have any other options, but it's crazy. So maybe they should start like they can start him off for like to the fifth inning and then switch him out defensively if they're up or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he overran the foul pop-up uh, behind the plate by Oscar Mercado in the fifth inning. And by misreading the backspin, the ball fell on the dirt behind the plate. So he was charged with his sixth error and the Yankees have currently made 92 errors this season, which is the fourth, fourth most in the major leagues. Probably would have won this division if they didn't make some errors. Yeah, exactly. So Gary Sanchez for being a back-to-back uh, culprit here in the penalty box. This is just ridiculous. You got to make these defensive plays or you're not going to have a job. That's, that's all there is to it. The Yanks are going to, they're not going to stand up for this for too long. You know, it, I would bet if, Unless they go far into the playoffs, if they make it and go far, then maybe he has a job. But I'll bet you he doesn't have a job next year in uh, in Yankee Land. Who's going to pick him up? I mean, I, I honestly, if I'm watching this stuff and seeing all these, you know, blunders from him, I mean, like, like you guys stated before, the stick's okay, but your defensive play needs to be I stellar mean, I can see here. Maybe somebody grabbing him as a DH and then, uh, you know, as kind of an emergency back. Uh, backup catcher type thing or maybe he plays a lot of dh and then some catcher like he you know catches the fifth game of the week type thing um but i don't know he's he's not on my team let's put it that way there's no fucking way your penalty box last week uh, last um episode was who and where did he my play penalty box oh yeah send him there send him. wasn't it wasn't last week's like a minor league team i think <laughs> Yeah, but from an old uh, MLB player, right? Pitcher that threw a resin bag, hit their own. Yeah, yeah. You should put Sanchez in that. (laughs) Maybe he'll fit in that league a little better. (laughs) So anyway, Gary Sanchez is in my box because you suck. That's all there is to it. You suck. Well, I was just looking at it too. Like he hasn't been good for a while. No. Like 2017 is like one of his better years. Like he had a bunch of home runs in 2019. Hit 34 but he did not have a great average. So, like, he's got power, but if he, this guy's costing you runs and then not producing, like like you said, like, he won't be around. And, I mean, he's not he's not a cheap player either. I'm sure he's got a fairly hefty price tag, right? So, um, it's going to be probably be difficult for him to find a job in the near future. But, anyway, Gary's in my box. Kev, why don't you tell us who's in yours? Well, I mean, I don't watch these events, but on uh, the VMA awards, uh, I guess Machine Gun Kelly and Conor McGregor get into a scrum. 
on the red carpet. Now, this all started with uh, when McGregor asked, I'm just going to say the guy's like initials. I'm not going to keep on telling Machine Gun Kelly. But MGK, he asked him for a, a pick, which uh, MGK denied. Now, this is where uh, McGregor, or this is where it basically gets interesting because MG, MGK pushes McGregor, which at this point, you know, you don't push an MMA fighter because then it's kind of game on, I guess. So McGregor throws a drink at MGK following with some punches. Now, MGK refused to make a comment um, on this uh, incident, which, uh, you know, Conor McGregor had no problem talking about uh, what was going on and what was done. I don't even know this man, Conor, goes on saying, I only fight real fighters, not some kind of little vanilla ice boy rappers. I don't even know this guy besides that he's with <laughs> Megan Fox. <laughs> wants his girlfriend. <laughs> oh my. I mean, I, I just, I mean, McGregor's just has umpteen dozen of these uh, incidences happening. I mean, one at a bar with an old man, you know, he got into it with um, one of the other MMA fighters by throwing a um, dolly through a fucking bus window just to get at him or causing shit. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's got money, so he knows he can sit there and probably work his way out of some kind of jail term by paying him off. But, man, you, you just got to stop, dude. I mean, you're not all that anymore. You're lucky you've been walking around after that fucking broken ankle you had. He's kind of embarrassing himself as of late. McGregor is, you know. Yeah. Like he, was, he was a superstar, and a lot of people liked him. And then all these stupid little things that he does is it just... It, pulls fans away and like i said it, 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 he's embarrassing himself he's always been like this though that's the thing yep. it's just he, he now he doesn't have the name of being one of the best fighters in mma right now he's being he is his confidence is shaken but he's still acting like he he's all of this right like it's it's it sucks for him but like he's in, it's embarrassing like you're saying but it's it's just he needs to like get over himself at this point because he thinks he's still top shit which clearly he's not well, he's just shit no clearly he's definitely not that is true facts jesse so jess following with my uh you know mcgregor and mgk who do you have in your box so I'm back in the MLB for my penalty box. Name is Jake Brents. He's a Kansas City Royals uh, rookie pitcher. We took to the mound against the Oakland A's in the sixth inning on Tuesday night. Now, Brents delivered a strike on his first pitch in the game, which is pretty normal. But on the second, he missed the plate a bit. Brents. Brents threw his second pitch about two feet in front of him. <laughs> like in front of himself? <laughs> yeah. He fucking spiked it. <laughs> like he j- yeah, he literally <laughs> spiked the ground with the ball. So he's in my penalty box for doing that. Now, he has been a pretty good pitcher so far, and he ended up having a clean inning in that inning and ended up getting the W in that game. 
but he's just in my penalty box because this is hilarious. You should watch the video. Like it literally looks like, like he's spiking it, but like it like it bounces two feet in front of him. He just holds on to it well, well too long. So I don't know. Maybe you need to check his hands for that yeah. spider tack stuff because might be sticking on there a little bit too too much. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I'll definitely have to look that up. Like I didn't get a chance before the show, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It was a good. It was a good. Uh, it was a great pitch to watch. That's funny. Okay, guys, we're gonna get into our uh, scores for this week. Now, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, we were partying uh, on Saturday night. So the three of us, uh, along with Pedro and our significant others, uh, having a good time, along with uh, Peter's brother. So we were having uh, celebrations for uh, a little one coming along for for Uncle Petey. He's going to be a dad, and so we were having a little diaper party for him little parent party, a little baby shower, I guess, if you want to call it. And so that was the reason of drinking uh, before, before the, the, <laughs> the drinks and the, uh, the excitement there. Uh, we had all planned to go golfing as a kind of, uh, you know, we're not really going to sit around and play shower games. So we might as well go and go golf. Well, unfortunately, Kevin and I had some, uh, some other engagements that we weren't able to make the golf game uh, as was uh, Deline. He was supposed to play as well, but the three of us had to bail out. So that left Peter, Jesse and Graham. So of course, when a couple or more points of penalties, uh, co-hosts get out there and do something, there's gotta be a competition points are up for grabs. Has to be. So that's right. Between the three of them, the big winner of the week or of the golf game, sorry, Mr. Sneezy. He's here to gloat. Yeah. <coughs> Bullshit. Oh, I wish Kev was out there. Yeah. And so much shade thrown out. It was actually a lot better without you out there. We had a lot more fun without you. So if you're an avid listener, <laughs> you know that Kevin chirps the fuck out of Jesse when it comes to golfing. And uh, with Jesse pulling out a win here, that uh, kind of puts Kevin in his place. But as you hear him uh, coughing under his breath there, he thinks it was bullshit. He thinks it was fixed. But uh... <laughs> no evidence, just his conspiracy uh, theories right. <laughs> running wild as per usual. So as I said, Jess won. He ended up shooting 100, which is, uh, in, in my estimation, pretty solid for Jesse. It was pretty solid, Jess. Was pretty <laughs> solid. Uh, Pedro came in second with 103, and Graham rounded out the uh, the little game here with 108. So you by going with our standard points of penalties, points that we give out. So Jesse ends up with a plus one. Peter gets a zero, and Graham ends up with a minus one. And the front nine, Sneezy had a couple pars and a fucking birdie. How about that? Maybe that's the one that was uh, a fucking bullshit, right, Kev? The birdie? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny because we were going to take a picture of it and then make the joke that this is our our where our first shots landed because they were pretty close to each other. I was a little bit – I was closer than Peter. But uh, – and then we were going to take an after shot, and we're still on the green. <laughs> we're going for bogey. <laughs> but we ended up not doing it. But it was – they were – I forget which hole 
think it was. You said it was a third, wasn't it? It was third or four, but there was like a little pond right in front of the green. So he had it over the green and or over the, not over the green, over the pond. And we both landed on it. And it was, it was, they were both really good shots. And my birdie putt was about six feet. So that felt good. And then, yeah, the front nine was really good for me. I, uh, I was actually doing really well on the par threes and the par five, which usually I'm better on the par fours, but I really sucked on a lot of the par fours this uh, yesterday. So Peter ended up having three pars on the day, one on the front and two on the back. And uh, Graham had a par on the back nine. So as you can tell, these scores are, uh, you know, they're not pros. That's for sure. Um, when Kevin and I are in there too, it's, it's not like we're pros. We're shooting about the same. So, but nonetheless, big win for Jesse. He gets yet another fucking plus one because uh, he's been killing it as of late. And that's no good. That being said, he also gets a minus one. As we all do, because we had no fucking challenges this week. So that is no good. Uh, we definitely needed to get our shit together there, boys. But uh, all we did today was give Peter a fucking, essentially a plus one because <laughs> we're minus. Isn't this the second time that this has ever happened to us? I think this We've is the second challenged? time with the three of us and third time overall. Oh, the three of us, yeah. So, Which isn't too bad for 34 episodes. So for the season... Jesse's still in the lead. He ends up he ends up being even because yeah. of a plus one for golf, minus one for no challenges. So he ends at a plus eleven for the week, or for the season. Excuse me. Peter is uh, had a zero in golf, so he's bringing up second place with a plus seven. Looks like looks like Graham is in third place with a minus three. Myself and DeLine are in fourth place with a minus seven. Ooh, you're as low as DeLine now? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We got to get some more points. And uh, last but not least, bringing up the rear, Mr. Kevin here. He's uh, he's rolling with a minus 12. So uh, I think he might think that it's a golf game here. <laughs> The more games, the better. <laughs> so that's our scores. Jess, you're an asshole. Fucking still winning by a mile. At least a mile. A mile for me, at least. <laughs> I needed I needed someone to challenge there so that I could expand that lead against Peter. All right. That's all she wrote. Tell me about your drinks, boys. How was yours, Kev? Surprisingly awesome. I mean, I'm not really one for strong beers, but for an 8.5, this Duval, the Belgian strong blonde, fuck, man, I'd buy this over and over again, man. Honestly, it was really good. I mean, I'm surprised at the alcohol content, to how actually smooth it was. I'd definitely do this over again. So, boys, you better start looking for stronger beers if I'm doing a Duval. <laughs> Josh. How was yours? Well, my love tread from Bose was pretty tasty. Again, shout out to Ross for leaving them at my house uh, over the weekend. 5.2% with, uh, you know, it's a lagered ale. And like I said, it's really good. Jesse, you, you, as you said before, you've had this uh, at least once on the show. And uh, I think we can all agree this is a pretty tasty beer. And 
and it's it's a favorite apparently here at points and penalties because we we drank it a few times so <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of your beer jess what did you drink and how was it i dr- i drank the lancaster bomber the british beer it's an amber ale it's not potent at all like i said we were talking about earlier i was drinking all day so i'm definitely taking a little bit easier today but uh yeah 4.4 small small percentage but it's better than your water that you usually drink there kev Mm -hmm. you just got the high ground right now yeah yeah we'll see what next week brings oh my god might have to step it up a notch here kev I might have to go out and get something else there. I'd have to. I think everybody's yeah. gonna go hard next week on a on a high end one just to try and eclipse that eight point five just in case you bring back Duval. <laughs> uh no, I won't I won't do it back to back. I'll never do that. I, I just might uh, go out and uh, bring out something else. Oh. Hmm. Well see how strong it is. You probably get your ass whooped, but <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That means I can drink a hell of a lot more. That's all. I guess. I'd rather drink less and get drunker, though. Right? No? Dude, you know me. I like to party when it's any time to party. I party hard. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, for everyone here at Points of Penalties, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. Make sure you check us out on Thursdays when we get the uh, the new lock of the week out. Maybe you can even uh, play some bets and see how good we are for you. Maybe we can make you some money. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, until next week, stay, stay out, out of the penalty, penalty box. box.